Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. Our guest today is Barry Benson. She is a Charlotte interior designer, and her work has been featured in Architectural Digest, Garden and Gun, House Beautiful, Southern Living, The Wall Street Journal, Elle Decor, many others. And I think what struck me, Barry, about your portfolio is just how lively all of the spaces are. They feel so fun, but they're also very sophisticated. And I found that to be a really challenging balance to strike because you typically would think of those two as contradictory, you know, either they're fun or they're sophisticated, but I have always loved how you do both. So maybe we can start there and you can tell us just where that magic comes from. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm flattered (laughs) that, um, that you, you've asked about, um, my design work and, um, I, you know, I would say that, um, where everything comes from and my work, um, is it's dictated from the client and I love, um, and also, you know, inspiration I draw from the past and also very, you know, nostalgia of people, people's, um, history and where they come from and what they do and how they live in the house. And, um, I think that's really important to have in in a house, um, when you first walk in the door, you sort of want to be surprised. Um, you want to be surprised, but you also want to be, um, you want that personality of the client and the family that lives in there to be very um, clear when you first walk in the door. I have a question about this, Mary, because one of the one of the articles I read that you were publishing, I don't remember which one, I'm not like Caroline, I don't have the photographic memory for every article I've read, but you were talking about exploring what your client wants and trying to um, kind of reinterpret that back to them. But often the client, what they say to you isn't really truly who they are. So this example you were giving was a woman who said she was super monochromatic and that's really what she was thinking for her house. But you were looking at the art she'd collected over the years and it was all bright, abstract you know, kind of very bold art. And it made you kind of do a double take and say, "Mm, maybe she doesn't really know who she is, or if she thinks she's monochromatic, but she really has more of an appetite for color. Um, Does that happen often? Or how do you dig in and explore what people really truly want so that you can express their personality? I mean, I do think that that is, you know, we look at people's art choices, how they dress, what they say, and, and going back to the monochromatic person, I mean, you know, everybody, um, they go back to some, uh, they go into a house right before they come see me, and they might be inspired by that house, and they come up to me and say, oh, that's something that they are, they, they, they think they want a monochromatic house, but honestly, I really just want to peel back the layers and really find out what they love. And a lot of it's revealed in their art. 
um, some of their past choices, what they wear. And I think those are th- those are big things. And I do. I mean, I have a, um, a history major and I also worked um, at Hirsch Bedner, which is a hospitality design firm. And we did hotels and we were always doing um we were doing hotels in different countries. So we had to do a lot of historical research. And I sort of look at, you know, we, we draw, drew a lot of the design from, um, from things we research. And I sort of look at people like that. I want to research them. I want to see how they live, how they function, how they, um, how they use their house, um, how casual, how formal do they entertain? I mean, all those questions and all those things I want to make sure are in, um, are available to to them in their house. And I think that's what you can be fun and you can also be sophisticated at the same time. And I think that more than anything, sophistication comes from like really showing who you are in your house and also being true to who you are. And I think that's always the biggest. Um, When I meet someone and I, um, you know, I've gotten to know their personality, then they invite me to their house. I always think it's such a it's so refreshing when I think, oh, my gosh, this is this is a beautiful house. This is exactly what I thought it was going to be even better. And that's sort of what I want people to walk away. If I'm helping someone design their house, I I want that to be people's first reaction when they walk in the door. So if they just bought a a beautiful big new house or an old house, um, but they're young, I don't want it to feel I don't want to want it to feel stately right when you walk in the the foyer I want it to feel like wow these are this is a young couple they're fun they're going to turn this house a little bit upside down and I feel like that adds a lot of fun but also sophistication at the same time that they're willing to say okay this is a formal foyer and I'm not going to treat it exactly like I normally would have treated my mom's foyer or my grandmother's foyer but but then a little bit of a nod to the past a little nostalgic. But how does one, how does one do that? So if you do like say uh, you do have a stately home, I certainly don't, but people, plenty of people do, or even some of these very large, you know, McMansion-y type homes that just the scale of them is such that they impose a certain sort of vibe on you. How does one take that and make it feel more Uh, youthful and playful and fun. I mean, I do think that you sort of have to look at your house like an old stately home. You would want to put something a little bit modern and look, you know, and a little bit curious in the front. If it was a McMansion and it was brand new, I would do the opposite. But maybe, you know, a traditional piece with a really modern fabric or, you know, a you know, I have a friend that uh, recently bought a house in downtown Charlotte. It was a stately house. And I think it was one of the ones that was, I think it, it was in House Beautiful recently. And um, she loves rattan and wicker. And we found this piece that reminded us of the old Royer wicker pieces. And she's a big collector. She's an architect. And I thought, you know, this is the perfect thing to have in a foyer. It's you know, it's a, so that's it's, a it's a settee. Sort of like yes. a, and it's, mm-hmm, you know, it's, not, that was beautiful. it's nothing fancy, but it's just, you know, but we put a, we put Fortuny fabric on it and then we dressed it up. So when you walked in, you thought, Oh, okay, this is interesting. It's not, um, it's something a little bit different. And I think for anybody decorating their house, that's something you really, it's hard to do it. Like I even, I call friends of mine, decorator friends. It's hard when you live in a house to really get perspective on it. And sometimes you need to call a friend or a decorator. 
um, and and get their perspective about like, what is it that you need to see right when you walk in the room? And I think that's what you start with. You start with things that you really love and things that are really important to you and make those the staple, but also know that you've got to juxtapose them with something, um, say an old chest or, you know, a grandfather clock and you're, you're young and, you know, that's a little, you know, maybe it's brown and you think, okay, well, I need to do something a little different. Um, to make this grandfather clock, even though it's not, you know, it's a beautiful family heirloom, but I don't want it to feel so, so stately and so um, stuffy. And I think that makes total sense. You you mentioned um, wanting to know how people live in their house. And I was curious if it's easier or more challenging to work with a client who's maybe been in their house for 10 years or someone who's buying a brand new house that maybe they don't even know how they're going to live in it because they haven't quite gotten in there. Do you have a preference? Which one's easier? I mean, they're, you know, definitely the person who's just, you know, in the house, they don't have a lot of ideas for what they think. And, you know, I look at their inventory of furniture and find out about what they want and what they love. And then I can really, you know, with floor plans and furniture plans, I can really dive in and um, reimagine where their furniture goes, where they wouldn't have thought. But someone who's lived there, you know, usually give, they give me a tour and they're like, well, this is what I thought here. I tried this. I tried that. They have a lot of preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost hard for, you know, like I've been, been in my house for 20 years and it's, it's hard for me to see how it can be different. I, you know, the girls in my office, um, I almost during this little extra time we have in quarantine, I almost want them to sort of take it on as an extra project if we have some time just to look at it differently because I'm here every day and I can't get a, I can't get it I can't get some elevation on it, but it's harder. For- <laughs> yeah, fresh eyes, right? Yeah, we've got all this baggage, right, about our own houses. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And, and you have some, um, I remember I have this, um, I have a mid-century house and I have a rock garden right when you walk in and it's the bane of my existence because <laughs> I have dogs and there's always dog hair in it. And I remember my best friend walking through. I'm like, <laughs> I'm having this party. What would you do? She was like, your rock garden grosses me out. Can we do something about it? I'm like, you know what? I walk so by it every do? day <laughs> and I don't even think about it. <laughs> and she was like, uh, you, know, we, you know, it was nothing. Yeah, no, we replanted and put like oh. moss in it. And like, you know, of course, the, the labs ate the moss up, but but um, I still hate it. <laughs> but my husband, he's an architect, he will not let me <laughs> tile over it because I would love to. But he um, loves the rock garden. That's yeah, funny. It's interesting what, what men versus women get emotionally attached to. You know, I've got. I've got a long list of stuff in my house that I'm emotionally <laughs> oh, attached to. Sure. And it's very different from the list my husband has. <laughs> it's your sentimental. And we have no appreciation for each yeah, other's yeah. lists. It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little harder. Or I just know my ideas are good and it's his a little are bad. harder to, to <laughs> have a little have those conversations because Yeah, I always say you right. can deal with the outside. I'll deal with the That's inside. True. But he it knows doesn't what he's really talking work about. Because he yeah. does the inside and the outside of houses. So anyway, it's it's usually a good collaboration <laughs> if it's not on our house. <laughs> can, you, can you find yourself asking him um, often when you start a project, 
you know, what he thinks or do you totally like keep it separate? No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I know that he, he has the greatest t- taste of anyone I know. So I do ask him. And um, if he starts giving an answer I don't want, sometimes <laughs> I'd say, okay, enough. <laughs> but no, I do. And it's actually been easier with quarantine because he's around the corner from me. And we're, we work on about 20 pro- 20% of projects together, but we are working on one together right now. And it's it's actually pretty even more so that we lived in the house. I sort of, you know, didn't want to talk about work when I was home because I was too tired, but now we're home all day. So we do talk a lot about our project. (laughs) So do you find working in the South that people want more traditional furnishings or are they leaning towards more, I would say, uh, an eclectic mix? Do you feel like there's a certain style here, here in the South that people are leaning towards? You know, I do think it ebbs and flows. And I do think I see more um, Southerners looking a little bit to modern furniture. I mean, I do, you know, I've, I guess, how I figured out my whole entire um, house, I moved into a mid-century house. And, but I also had a lot of furniture that I wanted for my parents and, you know, important old nostalgic pieces I wanted to mix. And I think um, being able to mix those two together has been um, really important to me because I think, you know, scale wise, um, you know, I think they go back and forth between wanting to to have some of their, their grandmothers and their family's um, furniture. And I do think when people sort of give it all up and then go completely modern or new, they, they regret it because the house just doesn't have as much of that um, character and, and um, doesn't have as much of that um, soul to it. And I think, you know, a nice mix is really important. And I think that brings the sophistication that you're talking about from earlier is to be able to have those two things together, have new things mixed with old things and um, reinvent, reinvent right. some of the old furniture. Make a new history for yes. those things with history. Yeah. Even right. if, even if your parents had a whole modern house, yes. you certainly don't want that either. You want it, like you're saying, you want to take some of that, cherish some pieces and then interject some of your own, you know, starting from scratch is hard. Plus, if everything is of the same time period, it almost becomes uniform and nothing is very exciting. Right, boring. Because it, mm-hmm. you don't see anything after a while, both you and your guests. So if you have some weird weirdo things mixed in, or maybe they're not weirdo, maybe they're traditional, but um, you know, it makes it, those other items stand out more. Absolutely. And if it, and if it's, it's important to you and it's different, nobody else can have it. You know, like if it's something that, that has been collected or something that's been passed down, um, it's how you do it. Nobody else can have that, which I've always thought is interesting. And it's, you know, it might be, you know, a couple of things. I always want people to give me a tour through their house that so we're doing, you know, inventory. I really want to hear about all of their pieces of furniture, what they hate, what they love. You know, sometimes they're like, I know this is ugly, but it's so important to me. And, you know, it's it's a challenge for me to figure out how to make it interesting and look good in the space. I mean, sometimes we relegate it to a, you know, a guest room or a kid's room. And, you know, you still get to see it and enjoy it. But um, there are also things that like China and and really cool old paintings that really can sometimes dictate the whole entire design. You know, something that I'll see that they've just not even thought of 
that doesn't seem very important because it's always been in their house is really something really special that can sort of drive the whole entire design process. Do some of, I was just thinking when you said paintings, because so much of the interiors that you've done are, they're, they're just amazing art in them, right? And you talk a lot about uh, in your, your interviews about your passion for art and you've started collecting, young, you know, you just love it, you know, and it doesn't have to be precious or whatever. It's things that, that speak to you. But um, when we, when we have some piece of something that our mom gave us from 20 years ago, that's art, do we generally need to get it reframed? Is the frame making it feel dated or should we just embrace how it is and put it up there and mix it with some abstracts to make it feel modern? I mean, I guess it all depends on the frame, <laughs> but, uh, you know, quite often there's some things that are really special that need a, a modern frame on it. I mean, we've done, you know, some old pieces that needed a, a facelift and put a lucite colored frame on it or, you know, Ooh, a, a modern nice. piece of art that we've, you know, made a little bit more important with a beautiful like um, frame with a little reveal. Um, I do think art's really important and it is, that's been a huge um, interest and focus of mine. And it, of course, it can only elevate the interiors for someone who's collecting art. I mean, it's, I mean, talk about bringing personality into a project. I mean, if someone's a true art collector, they're not just collecting for, you know, they're not, they're not just collecting for um, the value they're collecting because there's something interesting about the story of the artist or the process that they find intriguing or the color palette or, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, all of the art purchases that I've made in the past 20 years, I mean, I walk by them every day and I think, Oh my gosh, I am so glad that I spent the money on this because every day I walk right past it. And I think, um, and I see something different each time in it. And I just, I think that can be so huge to making a house feel fun, interesting, and also um, sophisticated because if you do, if you're buying art for, for those reasons and you really know what the artist is doing and how they're, how they're creating their art. I mean, just think of the stories and think of the layers that it brings to your house. Yeah. Let me ask you about, you know, sort of starting your art collection because I find that I, I love art too and kind of just buy whatever I like or my husband likes. He has a very strong opinion. Um, so he has a really a good opinion. Stuff. He's got a yeah, great eye. He does. Too, yeah. He does. Mm -hmm. And he comes from a lot of artists. But I, I am always um, – kind of surprised and frustrated by a lot of my peers who are maybe younger and they, hmm, I don't know how to phrase this except to say that maybe they just don't feel confident enough to They're afraid. buy art. Yeah. Yes, they have a lot of fear around it. And it's like they only want to buy stuff that is sort of looks like everyone else's stuff. Right. I, I, right. I don't know. And so I'm curious how – to encourage people maybe that don't have a lot of confidence in what they like that they can and should just buy things that like you're saying speak to them and not worry so much about is it going to match my furniture or is it going to is other or other people going to like it or right will it increase in value yeah yeah but what's the cost cuz i think that pinterest sort of has People are it. Yes, it killed it a little. I do have a couple. I mean, I would say 
if you really want to start collecting art, I mean, it's not, I, I do, I would reach out to the, I would look into the art community in your, your city. Um, I would, I would go to art openings. Um, okay. Wait, hold on. Pump the brakes on that, Barry. How do I reach out to the art community? Who are they? Oh, how do I found perfect. art? How do okay. I find art openings? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. really talk to me like I'm an idiot. Cause okay. I am. Okay. So I would say when I, um, if I was starting out, I, you know, there's always a section in the paper about art openings, the, Wait, the weekend what edition. The paper? The, oh, what is the paper? Oh my gosh. Okay. What about the weekend section? I'm what about kidding. your, like, look Char- online. Like we have a Charlotte agenda. We have, mm-hmm. uh, like, a, I'm sure there's an Atlanta agenda. I'm sure there's a, there's, um, you go on your, your main, um, hub of information. And I think, you know, what's happening for the weekend. And there's almost always an arts element to it. I would say, and I also think that, um, being a member of your young, um, say the, your, your museum being, becoming a young collector of your museum, going to lectures about, um, about some of the artists and you start understanding who are emerging artists in the town that you're living in. And I think that, um, start learning about it. And, and every time you're in a, a a larger city, go to a museum, start, start. I think that creates your palette and that start, I mean, going to museums was always my first, um, introductory to, to art, but now I think, you know, there's a McCall center and I'm sure there's something like this, um, in a town, um, there is a community that you start listening to being a young collectors. Even when I lived in very small towns, my mom was the um, art director of, it was called the Sumter Art Gallery, which was basically their museum. And, you know, they had artist lectures in this teeny town and you could learn of, about someone's process. And I think you start educating yourself on things that you're interested in, whether it's photography or it is, um, you know, paper arts, or it is, you know, canvas painting. I mean, I do think that that would be the way to look into it. I mean, yes, you can visually love something and you can look on Pinterest, you can look on Etsy and some things are really screaming out to you. But I truly think to really be become an art collector, you've got to get involved and start hearing who's in the conversation, who is, who is um, creating some new different um, pieces of art and, you know, people who've gone to school for it. I mean, yes, there are plenty of people that don't have to go to school for art, but, but understanding people's process. Um, one of the things I've been doing is I, I don't know if, um, I have started, a, a company called Peg Norris with a friend of mine who, uh, Chandra Johnson, who owns Soco Gallery in Charlotte. And I've learned a lot from her. I've gone to quite a few art fairs from her. But basically what we do is we've created wallpapers that I can see how they translate into the home market. And um, I look at past art that artists have created and see how they can translate into the market. And we create wallpapers with the artists, a collaboration and um one of the first ones was with Annie Lemansky. I, I was doing a wallpaper. I sort of wanted a Joseph Frank kind of um, a, a Joseph Frank um, painting on um, having a like blank, but um, what is it called? I'm having a blank. Cat. 
Canvas. <laughs> Canvas. Paper. Bamboo. Paper. Blue. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm having like the Fornicetti. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, the, old, go. the okay. Italian Fornicetti. And I was, I was close. You were just, <laughs> I know. Blue. Yes, they, do cat, they do cats and they do, <laughs> they do it on paper and they do it on plate. They do it everywhere. Okay. Honestly. So I designed a piece for um, Highland House Furniture and I wanted to have it almost decoupaged like the Joseph Frank and the Fornicetti. And I was looking around and I walked into Chandra's gallery and there was this installation from Annie Lemansky and, and it had the flora and fauna like the Joseph Frank, but it was just a little different. It was a little edgier. It was a little moodier and I thought it was perfect. So I called the gallery. They had Annie Lemansky um, work with me on doing these decals for the front of this chest. And when I was doing it, I was looking at all the pictures of her installations and I thought this would be an amazing wallpaper. So I approached her about that. We created a wallpaper on a past installation of hers. And, um, and it was, you know, during her, during her art um, opening and we put it in the bathroom and it was a huge hit. And that's how the company started. And um, it's really been fun to really understand how these women and men are creating art and, you know, create wallpaper based on this authentic path that these artists have been making. And now Schumacher's picked it up and we've got a six artist collection coming out with them. Um, our next one's coming out in mid-May. So it's really, you know, it's fun to really, cool. to really yeah. understand where this process comes through. It makes it more authentic, makes your house more authentic, which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Sure. I, I think what what sort of resonates with, with me, what you're saying is fall in love with something and put it in your house, you know, because whether it's a, a, a a piece of art or a beautiful wallpaper or a chair. Every time you walk by it, you're going to connect. Don't just fill up the space with stuff that you think you need to fill up the space with, like really fall in love with things. Yes. No, I, think- I mean, I made that up. Maybe you're not saying that. No, no, I totally, I mean, I think the more you, you know, the more you're passionate about your house and what's important to you, it's more fun for people to come and visit and see and understand what, what makes you tick. Yeah. And that's what makes a beautiful interior. And with a I little love help. Going in, <laughs> I love going into a home where someone is really proud. You know, mm-hmm. they're proud of it. They're connected to yeah. it. Um, it isn't just a show place. It's, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is my grandmother's and I love this fabric and this color mm-hmm. and all about that just like reverbs with them. And, and you can tell it's their space. I love that when you walk into someone's house like that. And the fact that you can, you know, to offer these wallpapers, you know, like you said, is to, to you're offering art, not just yes. a wall covering, you know, right. that's, that's what's really interesting to me, especially for someone who doesn't know, you know, where to start. And I also think, you know, just a plug for Ballard, I think, you know, you've made it, you've made design so malleable and, and you've made things that have not normally been um, customizable. Um, people can put their personality, their color palette, their, you know, their, their take on things instead of it just, you know, the one, the one, um, the one sofa can be in 10 different, 15 different fabrics. And I, and the, the pillows can change things. So you can create a lot of different spaces from what you're offering, which I think is a huge, a huge thing for people because you don't want everything to look the same. Right. It's 350 fabrics. 
<laughs> Sorry, not Jen. Ooh, Jen. <laughs> well, well, you yeah, can send in your fabric. own. You can send mm-hmm. your own fabric for no additional cost. But you're right. I mean, that's the whole point is if you're trying to express yourself, you can't just pick off the shelf. You you really need to put your heart into it and pick mm-hmm. something you love. Right, right. I wanted to ask you, and you kind of mentioned um, this sort of ties in with fabric, but I wanted to ask you about color because you decorate with color a lot. And, um, you know, the color palettes are not super rigid in your spaces. They feel varied. And it's not like, okay, this is a navy and white room. So everything's going to be navy and white. There's a lot of variety. And I love that, but it scares me. I don't know how to do it. So yeah, it feels collected almost. Yeah. As opposed to planned, but in an amazing way. Yeah. So I think a, a lot of it is you, you definitely, we do schemes and we put them on, you know, like we're, we're getting the fabrics. We're thinking about like what's going on the sofa, what's going to be durable, what's going to be like meaty. And then of course there are always some fabrics that the clients fall in love with. And sometimes there are, you know, there are things that are not practical to put on different pieces of furniture, but, but they can be pillows or they can be, you know, draperies if you, you know, depending on what it is. And so a lot of it, we, you know, we plan for the first part of it. And, um, and then the last 25%, a lot of it is, you know, if you leave a little bit of room at the very end, then it can be organic and it can, you can bring in some things that don't seem just completely planned. And I think, you know, always, I mean, we definitely are like doing details on pillows and draperies and, and um, flanges on some of the, the sofas, things that, you know, you don't normally have to do. But I think if you get the furniture in and then, go on an accessory buying trip, trying to like, you know, go looking for pillows, call, you know, look at Ballard, bring some things in that, that normally may not feel like they work. Just sometimes those are those unexpected things. um, Try them. Yeah. Can really, can really make it not so matchy and also feel more collected. And I think that the, the end and the accessory, the accessorizing part, the last part is where I feel like the magic and the, the things that are really special show up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that um, sort of tip about not being so rigid. I have this, (laughs) I have this girlfriend who every time I go over to her house for dinner, she wants me to look at some fabric samples, which I am happy to do. I want to, make a, um, do a, contribute to a project that I don't actually have to buy anything, but mm-hmm. she <laughs> is colorblind. And so <laughs> you don't know literally, tell her. <laughs> no, no, no. Does she know? Not, if she knows? Yes. No, she knows she's okay. colorblind. It's actually okay. the opposite. She is just very, she wants everything to match perfectly. Uh-huh. And if it's a shade of blue that is just slightly off, she gets very, I guess, sort of self-conscious about it not matching because she's colorblind. And so she just like really overthinks things. And I, one of the last times I was over there, I wanted to just be like, just, it's okay. This shade of brown and these tote pillows, it's all right. It doesn't have to be perfect. Like you need to sort of. It'll never be perfect. it It shouldn't be perfect. Yeah. But I think because she's colorblind, she yeah, she it's probably her weakness that she's like really yes. aware of. So she has to she's yes. sort of overly I feel like 
I feel like people get like that. There's some things that they have huge hangups on and they don't let go of them. And, you know, it's your job as a decorator or as her friend to sort of say, okay, do you realize this is the obvious? It's the <laughs> elephant in the room. <laughs> You've got to let a few of these things go yeah, or right. it's never going to feel exactly right. And I, I mean, I think there's threads throughout each room. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want a different scheme in every single room, you want a thread that goes through it. You sort of have this palette and you're like, okay, you bring a little touch of that color from the other room into the next room and you're, and you're drawing it in. I think those are, those are important things. And, and at the end, you know, pillows are connectors, books are connectors, accessories. Those are things that can make things work. It's almost like sometimes I say, dedicate yourself to the decision and then you have this sofa, you have this chair, you may think it's wrong, but you can add accessories and books and things to make it work. You really yeah. can. And I yeah. think that that gives people a little bit of a little bit of um, ability to take the leap of faith, because if you never do, you're never going to have it. I mean, I, I'm you're, you're never going to have the sofa to sit on. You're never going to be able to have the party at your house. You just sometimes need to say, OK, I love this fabric. I'm going to put it on the sofa. I'm going to do these chairs. And then really you can make it work in the end with that last 25%. And I I think Mm -hmm. that's what I would tell people on how to decorate is just don't, don't be, you know, let decisions be made and then you can come back and and make it right. (laughs) You what? (laughs) Don't be a chicken. Feel free to fall in love with something, you know, feel free. And I have like Caroline, like you, and I'm sure every one of us girlfriends that are texting us or calling us and going, I love this, but do you think it'll work? I'm like, do you love it? If you love it, like that's different than the text where this is $4. I think I should get it. Like, no, that's, that's not the text I want to get. I want to get the text like, oh my God, I love this. If you love it, we're going to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that everybody's telling you with like life coaching and business coaching and positive thinking. You put some positive energy towards it and you can make it great. But if you're like constantly thinking you made the wrong choice with the sofa fabric, then, you know, of course it's never going to work. And you, you think, oh, I can't do anything until I change the sofa. I mean, don't do it. Just like enjoy your house and make it work. And I think that is a huge, um, and especially in times like now and quarantine, you really have no option to go and buy things. I mean, you can order some things. You can, there's some things that are in stock, um, fortunately from your company, but you also just sometimes have to be a little bit, you, you've got to be a little bit crafty and a little bit um, daring to sort of move things around and, and deal with what you have and, and make it look great and entertain, you know, entertain your family or, <laughs> or <laughs> your future or your ghost dinner parties. I mean, <laughs> ghost dinner parties. We need to practice <laughs> right now before friends come over. When you start yeah. moving stuff around, see if we That's love why I like the, the Zoom. You have to get your Zoom paper, your, your backdrop mm-hmm. right. And your guys, you're still right. A lot of pressure on the Zoom backdrops. Well, I really loved... Um, you did a great job with mid-century pieces, if that makes sense. You um, you infuse those lines within rooms very subtly. And I think as that is the surplus of furniture right now, um, the four millennials, is this, um, even the research is, is has been mid-century. So um, I kind of wanted to understand, you know, is, is there any tips or tricks to bringing that in with some more, um, you know, 
things that were your mother or, you know, even older? I mean, I do think like, you know, just sort of like what we would say with your your mother's furniture, like don't put the same fabric that would be on it that your mother would put on it. Like do, you know, don't put a silk brocade. Don't put, you know, like a small little, you know, French check. And the same thing with mid-century, I would say like, don't put the office, you know, the old office furniture look like the, um, the wool, um, small little office contract looking fabric, do something that's a little preppier or something a little bit fresher Mm -hmm. or something very different. You can put the, the French check on that mid-century furniture. Like that's how you can flip it upside down. You can put the plaid or you can put the stripe and then give it a little bit of freshness, a little bit of, um, you know, turn it on its head. You know, something that's a little brown needs a little freshness, something. And you can also, you know, since uh, some of this mid-century furniture, you know, the, the wood is not perfectly fine. It's like, you know, commercial grade and you can mm-hmm. paint it, which, you know, you can paint it a fresh color of white or like a strong color to give it a pop, like a oxblood red or something that's a little bit different or like a peacock blue, as you've seen many people do. I do think that that's really careful. The other thing I would would caution is just scale because some of the mid-century pieces are extra low and you put it with a, you know, a normal large sofa and it's not going to look good. You have to be very careful about seating heights and arm heights and table height. So that's a big trick is to make sure that you're not having, you know, a 32 inch table, a 32 inch table with a low arm sofa, you need more like a 24 inch side yeah. table and a 27 inch. So, you know, I, I design a, a, some furniture for Highland House. And that's one of the big things is like find, making sure that I have side tables that work with the furniture, because I do want it to be a little bit different scaled. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we talk about a lot about taking older pieces or the or things that feel older and more traditional and updating them with uh, a more modern fabric. But I have never, literally, I, it's never occurred to me to take something that is more modern and kind of pull it backwards with a more traditional fabric. Or you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's never even crossed my mind. I think that's <laughs> so smart. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. You're totally well, it's, right. fun. it's fun because then you can sort of like, you know, then I, I think that's fun because then your mom's like, oh, I would have never thought of putting something right. like that on that fabric. You know, like I do think that it's it's a little bit of a nod to nostalgia. And it's also showing that you sort of know both worlds, which I love. Mm-hmm. You know, I love. Especially if you are going to be mixing that mid-century into a room that's more traditional or mm-hmm. vice versa. Right, you know it bridges the it gap blends, for you. Yeah, yeah. It them. I wanted to ask, okay, there's a room in your portfolio. It's a bedroom and it looks like it's in a mid-century modern house. And it was just pattern on pattern on pattern. <laughs> and no, I loved it. And I, but I was curious how to mix because all the patterns were very strong. Um, you know, a lot of times people will talk about, oh, do a small scale and a large scale and a flo- you know a floral or a stripe, and that to me makes a lot of sense. But this bedroom had a lot of very strong patterns, and I was curious how to mix them together in a way that they both shine and they mm-hmm. are both, you know, n- neither one is fading into the background. 
I mean, I know which room you're, you're talking about. It's actually my bedroom. And I did. It was actually Schumacher had asked me to sort of showcase some of their Frank Lloyd Wright fabrics. And a dear friend of mine, who's the creative director, um, Dara, had asked me to do it. And I, um, you know, it's a fun little challenge. I mean, I use the fabrics and the small prints. I think it's it's a key to make sure that your your prints are different. Like if you're doing geome geometrics or you're mixing, the scale becomes different. Like so, I was mixing a small scaled geometric, um, and I knew if you're sitting in the room and you're putting that on the wall, like it is really turning into almost like it it almost becomes a solid. So like if you use enough of it, almost like the whole toile. You remember the toiles where they would put on the walls on the the draperies on the bedspread. I sort of looked at it like that. I was like, this is this modern fabric. I'm going to treat it like, you know, an old school way of treating it. And that's what I did. And then used a very large um, um, pattern on the, um, a large pattern on the um, draperies. And I think, you know, and then a floral. So I think that, um, you know, as long as you're sort of like, um, you're changing those different um, elements and the scale is different. I think you can have a tiny floral and mix in a large floral. You can, um, you can take geometrics, do a big geometric on the, the rug and do a larger one. I do have to say, in all honesty, it's a little too much for my bedroom. I mean, uh, I don't yeah. know if it's because I'm a decorator um, and I'm living at it and I, I see fabric and patterns all, I mean, I am, I am wanting to change it because it's a little too much pattern for me. I mean, I do think it would be really fun in a boy's room or right. a guest room. A powder room or it's, something, right? Yeah, in a guest room where someone comes in and like everything is just like so fun and they, you know, they don't have to live in it. But living in that is a lot. I probably will do something <laughs> a lot more calming and soothing in my bedroom next time. But I do think it's really, it's always fun. I mean, I do but think small rooms. that's a good rooms, lesson. Yeah. yeah. Use pattern in spaces, maybe large, I mean, like full on set pattern in spaces where you're not spending major portions of your time, you know, right. a dining Absolutely. room. Like, and, and I would say you know? like, you know, beach houses or like, you know, those are great places to do things like that. And, mm -hmm. um, not, you know, since I was doing it for, a, you know, I was doing it for a little project, um, you know, I sort of went all, you know, Full, full tilt. Yeah. You went hog wild, as they <laughs> say in the south. Full tilt, but living in it every window. night. The, the room's so inspir. I mean, like it you is. said, it's inspirational in the sense of you can you can take away. I'm sure each of us, even let's you know, looking at that image, took away something different. Yeah. Um, so when you chalk those rooms full, it's it is easier to then be like okay, what, what am I taking away versus you? And it is funny when we talk, cause we all take away different things. We're all like, yeah, Oh, I noticed, I noticed the black trim <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. well, I, mm -hmm. I love what you're saying about the twall thing. Cause you're totally right. That was, that's such, I'm sure everyone can picture a bedroom where the walls and the bedspread and everything was twall. And, but I wouldn't like like, do you think people, said, everyone knows what twall is? Should we describe twall? Do people know what twall is? Oh, so we describe pastoral scenes, like French pastoral themes, and they they sort of it had a big sort of run in the late nineties and the eighties, mm -hmm. and um, but it's been around forever. It's called a toile de jouy, T O I L E, and I'm sure mm -hmm. I'm massacring the French on it, I and then it. J O U Y. 
What's the history on it? Like, why why did it come to be a pattern? I, I pattern. think you know. I mean, gosh, you you're, really te- you're really testing my friend, <laughs> my my um my um, history. I mean, I like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that one except for it has been around for you know, a while. We need to probably get someone from Schumacher on here to tell us about that. Yeah, yeah it, right. It does depict Ooh. old French scenes, and the fun thing is, we're doing a take on it for our next artist collaboration. Is actually um, our next one that's coming out in mid May is Jackie Gendel, and she actually is called Femme de Toile, and it's mm-hmm. girls doing badass things like. I- Love you know, it. playing cool. in rock bands and like and and you know shooting arrows off of horses and you know doing all these really fun things. So there's there's fun little takes. And then you've heard of like um, Sheila Bridges did the Harlem Twall. So just just to give you some more twall information. <laughs> I love it. Sh- should we do a decorating dilemma? Of course we should. Ladies. We have Barry here. We have to milk her brain. Yes. Okay. Um, All right. She uh, is from Victoria and she writes, hi, I love your podcast. And I was recently listening to your episode with the ladies of Gordon Dunning, where you discuss the tricky use of sectionals in a living room. My husband and I have been in our home for about two years after we purchased it at as a short sale. We have put in a lot of effort and money into making the basics of the home beautiful and functioning. And now it's time to start bringing in the pretty pieces, a.k.a. kick out the furniture hand-me-downs. That brings me to my question. We were given this couch and love seat when we moved in, and it looks very sad, so it is time for a new one. We were thinking about getting a long or a lounger's couch with a chaise lounge and on one side, wait, on the side closest to where the love seat is and not putting any furniture in that corner. Now I know that a couch with a chaise isn't a sectional, but it got me thinking that it would ruin the flow of the space. We use our fireplace all winter long because she writes, hello, Connecticut winners. But currently, (laughs) no one really sits in the love seat when it's just us or when people come over. We love to entertain, but it is always awkward for people to find a place to sit. So we thought a a longer couch would help. But what you all said about no one wanting to sit in the middle seat made me panic because it is so true. I don't really know that a couch could go anywhere else in the room because of the front door and the windows in the dining room. My other thought was getting a chaise lounge is that my husband always wants to put his feet up when watching TV at night, which is why you see the awful brown footstool tucked under the coffee table (laughs) so he can pull it out at night while watching TV. I have thought about a regular couch with an ottoman as a coffee table. I'm also not sure what color. I was thinking a navy so it will not show stains or wear as much. What do you suggest? And then um, she does have a PS. I have a Ballard Designs rug in here because I love the contrast color with the dark hardwoods, but the lighter color tends to get dirty. (laughs) Fingers crossed this one is in for the long haul. So far, I love it. I mean, this is this is testing my my ADD. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I just like multi step questions. I do think that this is. I, I do see what she's talking about. I'm looking at the pictures, and I do think there's a disconnect. You know, they do have this long room, and and one of the greatest things is like having a place where you can sit by the fire. I think that's one of my favorite things. I I do think what she has right now, she has some very deep section sectional pieces and she has some hand-me-down pieces that 
I do think are overscaled in these room. This room is is small, not smaller, but I feel like the scale is. I think she could, if she chose some smaller scaled pieces, um, she could do a pair of chairs with a shared ottoman at the sofa, which would be nice with a little, you know, two side tables for drink tables. I do think that um, she needs to have two different type, two different um, seating arrangements, but maybe with something in the center that can, that can sort of go between both seating areas so like if someone so maybe there's a floating um there's a floating bench that's comfortable or a tete-a-tete or um a day bed that can float in the middle of that of of those two spaces she basically has you know like a, a tv on one side as you walk in the door and i think that's a tough place to put a tv so the first person walks in and they they see a tv maybe they could do she could do some kind of like one of those sony art tvs and do like a console right there have a nice long sofa with two occasional chairs there um and then a floating a floating day bed um that sort of connects the two spaces so someone could either choose to to be talking in the first space when you walk in or can flip around and join people by the um, the fireplace. And so I do think that um, designating two different seating areas would be great, but then with a transitional piece in the middle that sort of can make them all connect would be really yeah, important. That makes sense. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of want one, you know, her like TV watching area on that rug and then have maybe a pair of chairs over by the by the fireplace. So it's, I feel like the rug would probably help her sort of visualize where that grouping is going. Yeah, I think you know, that, like, yeah, and that's, that's why a that love scene doesn't work. Should she have two rugs? Should she have a rug down by the fireplace and a rug in front of the television? I actually think it might be nice to have, like, have a custom rug that, that okay. runs yep. the whole entire link that connects yeah. the two. She wanted to do some kind of like accent rug in front of the the fireplace or in front of the TV watching area. I think that would sort of define the two spaces, but then connect them together with a large, like maybe an, an inexpensive like um, sisal that could run the whole entire t- way. Or I, I don't know the exact spaces, but you could also do two nine by 12. I know Ballard has um, a few. You could do them right next to each other, even have the seams sort of just like butting up against each other, depending mm-hmm. on the space and, and sort of connect that whole room. So it feels like it's one, I would drop the TV. It seems a little high. It's very high. They yeah. have to have a crick in their neck, honestly. I, I think so too. And I think, you know, giving it like a console under it yes. would be nice Preach, because girl. then it would, yeah. And then, you know, if they could, you know, move that TV somewhere else, like another room and do the, I think there's a Sony art TV. And so when it is not in, it is not in um, TV washing mode that it feels like a piece of art. Um, especially if that's right. Like you said, exactly what you see when you walk in the front door is a big TV. You got to zhuzh that up something, girl. Like Like a real long console that you can put Mm -hmm. lamps on either side of the television or something. Or maybe, or maybe even like, I mean, you can get an old piece that you can get a console and you can actually have a TV pop out of it, (laughs) which I I mean, you could, uh, 
there are kits that that carpenters can put into pieces of furniture where it can remote control pop up out of the furniture. I mean, I know that's not the easiest solution, but I do think that, you know, walking right in that door or possibly relocating that TV another, you know, a different place or having it, you know, off to the side and have it swing around um, or putting possibly putting, um, you know, putting um, bookshelves on, you know, flanking either side of the fireplace and, and sinking it in there or having it behind a cabinet right there. That, that could be something uh-huh. that could, could help make that, that space feel have a little bit more de- definition. And I do think having books in a, a main living room and some accessories would be nice too. Mm-hmm. And if your husband insists on having something to put his feet on, get something you like. You know, find something you enjoy and tuck that under the coffee table or have the coffee table be for Mm -hmm. upholstered ottomans or something. You know, just because he needs to put his feet up doesn't mean you're relegated to the idea of something ugly. Yeah, it could be a round round ottoman, you know, with a button. It could Mm -hmm. be anything. It could tuck under the console in the front and it Mm -hmm. can pull out and and tuck back under for parties. Something cute. Or or he lays on the day yeah, <laughs> or an upholstered coffee table. Why can't it be a you know a big upholstered coffee table? And he puts his feet up on that. I do okay, think for one out, Barry's correct in the sense of like you need you uh, a sectional just doesn't work here. It doesn't function. No. You're right. Like your yeah. gut is right. It's not going to work. If you put these pieces and these smaller you know occasional chairs in a day bed, you can move them too. You have a bigger party. You can shift it. You know if that's where everyone's hanging. Um, I love Barry's idea of having a bench or, or something. It could be a round ottoman or something down there by those two occasional chairs because it's a very long rectangle and the fireplace is at the short on the short wall at the end. If you put a couple of chairs on there with a bench and that sort of segues between the two spaces, like you're saying at parties and stuff where no one has a place to sit, that's going to be where everybody purchased. They're going to sit right there. They'll either face the fireplace or they'll face into the sofa. It's a great um, sort of space, I don't know, uh, mediator let's say <laughs> it brings it all together the more i look at this room the more i think it really is is screening for bookshelves built-in bookshelves on either side of that fireplace which could hold that tv you put a long um a long sofa over there and make the the front a little bit more a little bit more dressy so like that front little room instead of being that being the tv watching area you you push it towards the back a little bit and around the fireplace and, and have that still be a perch and be part, you know, and still float the pieces so that the two rooms connect, but maybe, maybe get a little bit more of, um, get the TV behind something. So it's not right when you walk in the front door and make the, make the front a little bit more cocktails and a little bit, you know, always in a, you know, always dressed up in a little bit. Um, not formal, but just a little bit, you know, people are not touching it and having ottomans around it. And it's really more always nice when someone walks in the front door. And as I'm looking at their fireplace, it looks like it had, honestly, you guys, it looks like a, a wall, sort of a wall of drywall, a fireplace inset into the wall, and then some sort of molding put around the fireplace that's maybe six inches away from the fireplace. Is that what you guys are seeing? Mm-hmm. Like you could pop that off and 
put your TV over there, like you're saying, on that wall and kind of reconfigure that whole wall to accommodate mm-hmm. that in a better way. I, think I so mean, that, like the molding isn't really like do anything for you really there. If you want to do built-ins, like you're saying, and put a TV in over there. I do think, I mean, I think it's really important to always have a place to have some accessories and some books and things that show a little personality. And I think that's, and I also would caution about doing something. I would, I would keep the depth of all the the new furniture you buy around 36 to 38 and do not go any anywhere near 40 inches or above. And I think if I had to guess those, those hand-me-down pieces are very deep. I bet they're 42, 41. Because it's a shallow space and it's a walkthrough space. Mm-hmm. That's always something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. If you have to actually get through that space, you got to make sure that you're not filling it up too much okay. with furniture. Her next question is, though, what? There's fabric- another one? Because she's worried about it, the wear and tear and stains. Does she have kids? She didn't say. She didn't say. What about performance fabrics? I feel yeah. like when I want to yeah. do lighter fabrics and things like that, if you do indoor-outdoor fabrics on the main upholstery pieces and then have some navy, have your main fabrics that you really love on the pillows and maybe the occasional chair that someone the, on the workhorses put, you know, the things that are a little bit more durable and sturdy and spend the money on the indoor-outdoor mm-hmm. fabrics, yes. which are typically a little bit more expensive. I mean, they make indoor-outdoor velvets that, are crush proof and yeah. you can bleed. It lasts and- twice as long, so it should be a little more expensive. Yeah. yeah. I've got a white have- sofa with two kids and a lot of red wine, and we are fine at my house, you guys. It really yeah. works. I'm not kidding. This stuff works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can pretty much get it all out with Dawn and water for the most mm-hmm. part. So that's always like a plus to me that I don't have to have an extra special cleaning solution. I mean, I'm going to have Dawn. Yes. So. <laughs> Guys, I took, I had indoor outdoor fabric that sat outdoors for eight years under a tree that was covered (laughs) in moss. I do not kid you guys. No, it does. That there is, there is a lot to it. (laughs) What, what, Taryn, did you get it off? Did it work? I got it off, guys. (gasps) Eight years later, it looks good. It it came back from the dead. That's amazing. There you go, girl. You can can get any sofa you want. So uh, performance Mm -hmm. fabric is worth it, girl. Victoria, do it. You will not worry about your husband with his feet on your sofa. Not shoes, but feet. Maybe a little little pattern on that ottoman. Like do a fun pattern. Even if you did spill something. I mean, if you can't do performance on that ottoman, do like sort of wildly put your pattern there and then someone fills something or he has put some dirty feet on it which would be surprising it won't matter okay you i don't know who designed this ottoman or coffee table but i thought it was genius and i'm pretty sure it's actually in our clearance right now if you want to go check it out victoria but i thought this was (laughs) such a smart idea but Um, taryn designed it way to go taryn it's it's, in That's a terrible idea. It's in clearance. Hey, I think the people just don't understand because I thought it was so smart. Okay. It it is essentially a coffee table that that was designed to fit an ottoman underneath it. So it sort of has a flared bottom, but we sell a, it's, 
Yeah, it's kind of a Parsons style. It's wood. Um, it's not super big, but then it is designed to fit perfectly this little round ottoman underneath it. What's it so called? You- <sighs> I'm, I'm trying to look it up. Yeah, you can't describe it and not tell us the name of this. Hold on. Okay, Hold I'm on. sorry. I didn't happen to have it on Caroline. the top of my head. But Augusta is the ottoman. Okay. And I want to say it's like Trimbley or something. It, I think you're pretty close. Hold on. <laughs> nice try. But yeah, anyway, there's plenty of coffee tables that will accommodate a little ottoman or something. If you don't buy this exact one, which we can't name. <laughs> it's Trebby. Trebby. There we go. There we go. It is. That's close. But, but I exactly what she's doing right now, but very fashionable. Yes. Stylish. <laughs> um, Anyway, I just thought that was really smart because that way you really get the best of both worlds and you don't have to decide. You can have both. And there's no wasted space. And if your husband is not watching television, but you're having people over, then you can actually pull the ottoman out and someone can sit on it, you know, um, and you haven't taken up any more floor space than you would have just having any old coffee table. So. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so inexpensive. I'm not kidding. I'm looking at the site. Today it's only three hundred and ninety-one dollars. I can't wow. believe it. She That's needs insane. to get it now. She needs to get it today. <laughs> we should probably email her. And it has five-star reviews. People love it. Okay, one person loves it, Karen. You know what, Caroline? <laughs> shut up and cut that from the. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, and she's she got the indoor/outdoor rug, and she was saying it is lighter. But don't you wear a girl? Same thing. Scrub a dub. It should come back to life. Yeah. You should be able to put <laughs> oh. bleach on that that indoor outdoor mm-hmm. stuff. Man. I yeah. power wash mine and they're like brand new. I'm <laughs> but not you're kidding. not taking your co- you're not taking your sofa out to power wash it though. No, but in no. the outdoor rug. The oh, indoor outdoor oh, rug you can yes, power wash. Yep. Just take it out and power yep. wash it. It's amazing, you guys. It is like magic. I'm embarrassed wow. to say that I do that, but I and do. if it and if you can't get the stain out, I bet in ten years you're going to want to change it anyway. <laughs> oh, and an indoor outdoor rug—they're so inexpensive. I mean, eight by tens are like three hundred dollars. So just use it, rub your chocolate and wine on over and all over, and throw it away. It's fine. And on, <laughs> honestly, also Oriental rugs are so forgiving. hundred percent wool rugs are also. I mean, I know performance rugs are are good, but also hundred percent wool rugs are, you can get things out of natural fabrics and natural yeah. wools. I, I, I think it's when you have all the mix, um, yeah. when you have a mix, that's when you get into a little bit of trouble on stain. Mm-hmm. So great. Or silk. I, oh, yeah. those are the worst. Yeah. Patterns are like great. Too. Yeah. The pattern, a pattern will, you rug. may not even see it. So you yeah. won't have to clean it off. It will last I mean, if you a, If an oriental has been around for 150 years, you, you can better believe it's been, there's yeah. been red wine or, you know, a you're lot of gonna <laughs> You're not going to kill it. You're not going to kill it. family is not going to kill that rug. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. Victoria, best of luck. Send us after photos, please. Yes. And we, we don't get nearly enough after photos. <laughs> What does that say about our suggestion? I think it's the quality of our advice. (laughs) (laughs) Barry, thank you so much for joining us. It was so great to chat with you. And if you could tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff. Oh, I will. Okay. So um, I have an Instagram account with um, at Barry Benson. I think that's uh, B-A-R-I-E. 
B-E-N-S-O-N. And then I have a website with um, my most current work on it and all of um, my different projects I'm working on, um, BarryVincent.com. And um, I'm not going to give you my cell phone. Oh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> or your personal but, email. But it, yeah, info <laughs> at BarryVincent.com is an email that you can that you can use and it will and it will get to me, I promise. Perfect. <laughs> Thank I you so it. much. Well, yes. I, this has been so much fun. I feel like I hope that um, after this quarantine is over, we can all meet in person. I would love, mm-hmm. um, I used to be a big Atlanta fan and I come back <laughs> quite often. So I hope to, mm-hmm. to see you there soon. And we will I will welcome you with good. open arms. Yes, please. We'll take You're care. You're all going to be eating cocktails. Talking to you again. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. All right. That's our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. And don't forget to send your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. We will use it on a future episode and answer your question. Um, Check out the show notes at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. Don't forget to enable the how to decorate skill in your Amazon account so you can listen to us from your Alexa. And follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And until next time, Happy Happy decorating!